It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I don't ask anybody's question but yours. You're an idiot. And really a disloyal person. Hello and welcome to this edition of This Prefers Looping. I don't ask anybody's question but yours. <laughs> hey, we're back. Guess what's going on? We're doing another episode of Disloyal Idiots, a Fans for a Sportsnet production. Uh, apologies for the technical difficulties. For some reason, it defaults to looping the intro music, which I need to work on. Uh, I I will uh, take my penance and uh, figure this out by next week. No, I won't. Who am I kidding? Uh, I'm Steve Haller. With you as always, joining me, uh, the illustrious Christian de Guzman and Andy Pregler. What's going on, guys? Well, we did. I just found the uh, season uh, with a week zero Europe game, so it's pretty good. <laughs> Fair enough. We are staying in the states and uh, not having even more ridiculous travel than the uh, proposed ACC would have. Uh, we are we are two years away from our Chick Fil A uh, Labor Day weekend kickoff against our ways it yeah it's Labor Day right um, probably but at least it won't be a week zero game. Well, if we if we if, do let's stay away, then we've got we don't have to battle the don't the the fair crowd like they always seem to care about, <laughs> and uh, you know we can do it in like Hungary or something and we'll be fine. It's, it's great. Everybody Plus, if don't. If dome res- re- renovations get pushed back, there's a higher likelihood that the dome scoreboard won't be hanging <laughs> by Walter the Walter the Crane. Oh god, that's great. I mean, listen, it's uh, Vandy and Hawaii have played a home and home series now, where I'm pretty sure it has not been at a real stadium for either game. So shout out to the weirdest home and home that could possibly exist. Good old Syracuse friend Clark. Uh, how do you say his last name? Last Leah? name again is Leah. 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 I don't know that guy. Yeah, that guy. That guy. Yeah, that Vandy job. Woo. It's something. <laughs> uh, hey, yeah, yeah. We'll we should probably talk about you know soon. TM. Some. Uh, we sh- we could actually get into that. Uh, we we uh, when it, when it's time for the carrier. They're sorry, the JMA Dome uh, <laughs> renovations to take place Vanderbilt is actually a really interesting uh comparison point but that is a conversation for another day uh well we did have we uh, are here. Was, if we didn't we, I was in Toronto this weekend and uh they do the same thing up there uh it's always the Sky Dome it doesn't matter that it's the Rogers Center and has been for god knows how long at this point it's still the Sky Dome so we're still we've at least right. we've at least got t- plenty of time to still call it the Carrier Dome <laughs> 
I mean, Lakers fans, Clippers fans, if they exist, and, you know, LA Kings fans are going to call it the Staples Center. Clippers fans exist sometimes if the team's fine. Point point, uh... point, be, point being, there is a there was a 0.5% part of the population who calls it the uh, Crypto.com uh, crypto.com uh, arena or whatever the hell it's called now. Oh, God. Yeah. That's going to be a great trivia question in 10 years from now. Anywho. Oh, in chat, in, in chat also, uh, Andy's favorite stadium, uh, the ketchup field. Mm, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, we're not, we're not talking about Saudi oil money here. Uh, then we're really going to get <laughs> off topic. Uh, <laughs> uh flying the steel. You know what, Andy, we should get you crossing over with, uh, uh, behind the steel curtain our uh our the fans for sports not steelers podcast and see how far you guys can go off topic <laughs> oh it it it, it could go it can go incredibly far off topic that's 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 what i can say there uh, but, but in order to get let's let's bring this let's bring this thing back around because it is the official college football season uh this is our preview show for the season uh, for those of you who maybe are joining us for the first time, and it's really cool. Um, thank you for thank you for finding us. Thank you for taking a listen. I promise we're actually going to talk about Syracuse things. Typically during the football season, uh, we do an hour-long show on Sunday nights, the week of a Syracuse football game. The first half hour, we talk about what happened in the game previous. The second half hour, we talk about the game that's upcoming. Obviously, this week, there was no game that took place for Syracuse during week zero. Uh, but there is a game against Colgate that's happening this Saturday uh, at 3.30. Really awesome. Uh, Colgate is not necessarily an FCS team that we need to go in depth on. So I think what's going to happen is this is going to be our season preview show. It was season preview week around the parts of nudesmagician.com. Uh, and I know that we have all participated in various different ways to the football previewing that has taken place here. I, I think the first question that needs to be asked is how on a scale of one to 10 with 10 being the most and one being the least, uh, how optimistic are you that Syracuse makes a bowl game for the second straight season for the first time since the Doug Marone era? at Syracuse. Ironically, I'm at a solid 44%. <laughs> I'll opt for uh, former football lineman numbers and go 73%. I'm, I'm on the high side as well. I actually have a side bet with a friend that I will get into in a minute here about how optimistic I am uh, about this team, weirdly. Uh, but Christian, let's start with you with why I do I do think that if we were to have our friend Matt Glaude here, uh, for also known as Hoya Suxa, who is very good with computers and math, uh, he would show that the range of outcomes for this year's team is probably one of the widest that I have seen in modern Syracuse eras. Like I think that there is a legitimate path for this team to go anywhere from three wins to nine wins. Um, all within like reasonable amounts of outcome. We're not like those extremes are well within play. Why are you feeling more towards less wins on that scale as opposed to Steve and I, who are, I think, a little bit more optimistic uh, on the scale of potential outcomes? It just goes back to the trend of what we've talked about for the past three, four, five, six, seven, keep counting how many, however many years you want in the past. It goes back to the same thing that has kind of defined the success of every Syracuse football season, and that is the strength of the offensive line. We have no idea how this offensive line is going to play, and given some of the reports coming out of camp on who potentially is and is not starting, it makes me even more concerned. Now, if there was more stability uh, based on the reports coming out of camp from the reporters there, um, that... Uh, there is a more of consensus, I should say, uh, based on who the starting offensive line is. It's just the consensus. I, I'm not necessarily saying like it's got to be the starting five that I think should be out there. But if there was some sort of consensus agreement, I would take consensus on two positions, exactly, an agreement from what we've seen. 
um, between the uh, starters on the offensive line, especially for a line that's replacing a offensive line that's replacing a for, for surefire second round pick um, and potential f- and was a borderline first round pick in Matthew Bergeron and a incredibly, incredibly solid starting center in Carlos Federello. And like, and also a serviceable, solid right side uh, guard slash tackle in Dakota Davis. This is an offensive line that's replacing three starters at minimum from last year. Yeah. And from what we've seen from the camp stories, and I'm talking about the depth, the projected depth charts we've seen from Syracuse.com's Emily Leichler and from Syracuse Fan Nation's uh, Mike McAllister. Both of those uh, projected starting offensive lines look very, very different. And those two are at pretty much all the fall ball practices. Right. So, they're, and they're the so, most tight end of anyone. And so for those two to come to very different conclusions about what exactly is the starting five, first of all, should be a little bit worrying. Secondly, and then secondly, the reason why I say that is, let's go back to what the original point is. Why am I at 44% on to make a bowl this year? Because we've already seen just in general, it almost really doesn't matter how much talent Syracuse has at quarterback or at the skill positions, especially when it comes to offensive production. It really matters on how well the offensive line holds up. Because you take a look at a year like 2019, where it felt like, in recent memory, that was one of the years where Syracuse had most had the most skill in terms of its skill positions with guys like Tristan Jackson and a pretty good uh, backcourt in Abdul Adams. Um, I believe Mo Neal was still kicking around, or I, I could be wrong there. Uh, but still, it was a good year for skill positions. However, that Syracuse team went five and seven because the offensive line completely collapsed and Tommy DeVito got shelled every single game. And lightly. Yeah. And when you look at the year prior, you know, Tristan Jackson didn't play the entire year at wide receiver. You could make a clear argument in 2018 that the running back and wide receiver talent wasn't nearly as high. And yes, you had Eric Dungy, who was in his senior year. But because that offensive line held strong, that offense performed admirably well. And so it just feels like every single year, no matter when we're talking about Syracuse football, we talk about the offensive line. We talk about the strength of the offensive line. We talk about the consistency of having the same guys out there on the offensive line in a healthy manner. And so that all being said, it's going to be very, very important to for Syracuse and for, just for fans in general, just to see the same guys out there and to see them in the same positions and to see and not none of the injuries that we've seen, that we've unfortunately grown accustomed to with Syracuse. Because if, if this line starts to falter, then all the because there's a lot of people that who agree with Steve and Andy who are on the positive side of Syracuse making it a bowl. And I would be more too if I didn't have so many questions about the strength of the trenches, especially on the offensive side. I, I think that that's incredibly valid. Uh, I do think the schedule plays into Syracuse's favor in that regard. Uh, with a game against a Colgate team that is not an FCS power and a game against a Western Michigan that I didn't realize until doing some doing some research and listening to some other people who know the Mac a lot better than I did. I didn't realize that Western Michigan is in the middle of a full program teardown. Like they are rebuilding that program from the studs up. Not to say that like, you know, it's, you know, any given Saturday, anything can happen. But we saw a you know, a five and seven Syracuse team take on a really solid Ohio team in the Mac and win 
handily in the past with a poor offensive line. Um, so I, I'm I'm with you where I don't necessarily think that my opinion on the offensive line is flipped where, oh my gosh, I think it's great. I do think that they have two full games to play around and figure some stuff out before they play their first real test in Purdue. Uh, and I think that that does, in past years, we were joking about this before we got on the show, is like, when does Syracuse play the International Week Zero game? Um, in past years, Syracuse would attempt to do some version of that where we we're playing on the road in week one or we're playing a, a pretty big non-conference game in week two. This year, the non-conference schedule is about as soft as you can get. And I do think that when you're looking at what Syracuse needs to work through, a lot of it, especially on the offensive line, is we're talking about about eight guys and there's five spots. And we want the best five guys out there that make the best unit. And, and Steve, I know you've talked about this a lot and I'm, I'm going to queuing you up here. We saw last year a bunch of players who are not locked in starters for this year, who we would have thought would have been that in that position. And outside of outside of Cruz, I don't think that anybody really has a firm spot on this offensive line in like left, right, or center uh, outside of him because this they let we've seen a lot of movement. The depth charts are showing a lot of movement. I think that they probably have a decent idea and Dino might just be being Dino and showing stupid things in, uh, in the 10 minutes that media has access to the, to the program. But I also, this isn't a situation where the guys that we're talking through haven't seen the field before. True. Now at the same time, uh, the only names, well, I guess, I guess, yeah, everybody, even, even if we're playing musical chairs, like the two quote unquote projected depth charts from the two reporters, you know, between Emily and uh, Mike that uh, have seen anything. Um, you're looking at all people that do have experience playing a decent level of college football. Uh, Enrique Cruz is the only consistency. Chris Bleich starting somewhere is a consistency. Um, the fact that, you know, there's a possibility for Kalen Ellis to be benched seems very disconcerting. Uh, the fact that Joe Moore, who I, I don't know, I only saw very limited reps of him in the spring and or uh, anything that we've gotten video of um, that tackle. And he didn't he looked like a revolving door, but that could have also been, you know, when I saw him. Um, you've got Wollabaugh Juniors coming in like there's a lot of guys uh, like Moore had a great career at Richmond. He he should he should be better than what we saw in those clips in the spring. Um, so there's there's folks that have even Jeanne Reed who is possibly challenging Josh Aloha as the center uh, was an NJCAA champion uh, last year at center. So uh, there's there's a good bit of at least experience playing at a college football level. Uh, maybe not high-level ACC uh, all the way around, but there's at least bodies that have seen the field in a uh, significantly upgraded level from what they would have seen in you know high school or on the practice field. You also have Jacob Bradford, who saw a bunch of time for us last year. Uh, you have Ellis, hopefully somewhere in that starting lineup because that's a big-ass body to not be putting on the field. Um, and then... You know, we the the other names tossed around are Wes Ho, Mark Petrie, and Joe Cruz, who uh, Ho saw plenty of time at fullback um, and or tight end, which not the same, but at least getting game speed reps. So there's there's things that are you know a lot of question marks around the program right now, or especially around the offensive line. But yeah, the I I get why that is kind of a flux point between what you and I are thinking and what Christian's thinking. Like there's, there's valid reasons for both. And let's also remember when's the last time we had this much turnover and upheaval and rebuilding on the offensive line. It was that 2019 year. Yeah. Though I would argue as someone who pays too much attention to the shit that this, this group may be better than what we had coming back in 2019. 
we probably or, or maybe we lost more in 2019. Yeah, that's true. The, mm-hmm. the delta is more. It's not so much like this. This may be about as talented as what we had, but the delta from where we were is significantly more in 2018 to 2019. Yeah, I think that I think that's fair. Uh, Steve, why are why are you a bit more optimistic? Um, naturally, you're not as you're concerned about the line, but maybe not the same level as concerned. But what about this team is is giving you reasons for optimism? You haven't noticed after the ten years that I tend or the last ten years that I tend to be the optimist. <laughs> I mean, I just can't say Steve's generally more optimistic than us. Uh, that's not that's not good podcast. He's optimistic, but he usually does have backup. Which okay, um, receiver depth <laughs> is better than we've had. Uh, the quality at running back may drop off but it's a very different quality like we going from sean tucker to anyone is going to be a drop the question is like what we can do with that drop and i feel like we can utilize laquin allen uh, quite well uh, assuming he's you know back in at 100 even if he's not the the depth in the running back room is there the depth in the quarterback room is there unlike things we've seen in a long time also on defense we have and Again, if you've been listening more than a week, you know I'll just rail on depth to to no avail. But on the defensive end, we have very deep rooms in all three positions. Um, you know, linebackers, pure bodies may not be deep, but uh, bodies that have had experience are relatively deep. So I I just feel a general confidence that we can at least pull off a couple of 50 fifties and throw it in the right direction. Cause like you said, I mean, it's uh, when you look uh, down at the schedule, it's, it's not as, you know, it's the same thing we always talk about. It's not as bad as what people would uh, think for, you know, relatively light non-con likely three and one possible four and oh the, the road trip to Purdue is what it is. You've got the stupid stretch, and then you've got a <laughs> literal bunch of toss-up games. Like, yeah, what this what do you do th- with these five? Yeah, this is this to me is like where where the make or break stretch of the season is, and why I'm optimistic. Like, if you even go up one more game, like there's a part of me that is is looking at that Florida State game. Like, that's probably the one guaranteed take the hard L Jared verse is going to destroy this offensive line. No disrespect to, to anybody there. It's just Jared verse might be a top five pick in the NFL draft this year. Um, like he's scary, good, scary, disruptive. And he's also got that, you know, up from upstate New York. You didn't recruit me. Those guys tend to do really well against their hometown P five team. Um, I'm, I like that. That game is the one I'm writing off as an L, but Dabo, for whatever reason, struggles against Syracuse, and that game is positioned really nicely after the Army home game. It's Orange Central, so it's guaranteed to be a sellout. So all the ingredients are there no, for no, pause there. It's guaranteed to be a sellout because Clemson's coming. Like, well, yes, and, and it isn't fair. guaranteed well, to be a Syracuse sellout. It's guaranteed to be Orange sellout. <laughs> well, I was who gonna had, say who has more fans at that game. Is it who has more fans? Is it going to be Syracuse and Clemson in that game, or was is it going to be what happened last night in Harrison, New Jersey? No, <laughs> it's going to be well. That's what, but that's what I mean about the uh, about the Orange Central thing is that because it's Orange Central, there's going to just going to be a bunch of Syracuse people there. Are they like going to be the diehard like super scream your your lungs out fans? No, but that's like the one game where the dome is majority actually Syracuse fans, which is kind of crazy, but. Glad it, I'm glad it worked out the way it did, even though the schedule doesn't have a home game in the entire month of October. Um, but yeah, that UNC road game is weird. Uh, and then if you keep and if you scroll down, like further down, like if you're sorry, if you're watching on the Twitch, Steve has the schedule up on the screen because we are getting fancy here. Um, and so that's why I'm referencing the scrolling down. But oh, yeah, even, that's I even put up a, uh, a, a nice tweet from uh, one of our folks on Twitch. Tweet. <laughs> Whatever I I looked at the Z- wrong. Geez, no, no, no. That's why we can't have nice things. Uh, <laughs> the perpetual quest for college game day rides on that uh, Clemson game as always. Well, the problem. Unfortunately, college- unfortunately, you need Syracuse to hilariously blow out Purdue to have any football yes. happening. Yep. 
Well, that Purdue game's NBC no, you know, time. You know so. our luck, Christian, is what we're going to do is we'll do that, and then Clemson will somehow falter somewhere. Like we'll, well be set up perfectly. September thirtieth. Let's take a look. Let's take a look at some. Well, of the you know, you know, you know who you know who Clemson's day. playing the week before our game. Florida State. They have Florida State. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah, they'll they'll find a way to lose there, and then. <laughs> yeah. Well, game. Well, that's why I mean, game day. We're not getting game day for Clemson because game day is going to be at is going to be at the Florida State Clemson game, and they're not going to do Clemson back to back weeks. They're, weeks. they're just they're not going to do it. Yeah. Yeah, and that day, and that day, you have. You have Alabama, Mississippi State, uh, you know South Carolina, Tennessee. Nope. Uh, you have LSU, Mississippi. Nope. You have Oregon. You have Oregon, Stanford. Okay, moving nope. on. Yeah. <laughs> you Utah, Oregon State. Yeah, no, it's yep, no. it's yeah, it's it's Clemson, right. FSU. Okay. That's a, that's a sharpie game. But yeah, this is the stretch where this is the reason. Like personally, I think that I think that eight and four is in play. I think seven and like if the team big caveat, if the team is healthy. And like, yeah. obviously, if Aronde Gatson goes down, if Garrett Trader goes down, if multiple bodies on the offensive line goes down or Cruz goes down, take what I'm saying and just throw it out, throw it into the garbage. But if this team is healthy, seven and five should be the expectation. And I think eight and four is in play. Be- and part of this is going to be Dino has to figure out how to win road games because Virginia Tech is really bad this year. There's just not a lot of talent on that team. They got portaled super hard. They're not they're trying to rebuild through traditional recruiting instead of through the portal. This is the year to get them in Blacksburg. BC might have fired their coach by the time that that game rolls around. <laughs> uh like that Halfley seat is pretty hot and that is that game's looking real tough. Pick yeah, games. He, almost, he may only end up getting Halfley of a season. Hey, uh, that pit game is. Anyone I'm, I'm so disappointed. I'm extremely disappointed. I was just trying to move right on past it. If anyone is watching this, you should go back to the video and just watch Christian's reaction. Uh, oh boy, Christian here still, we go. Christian, uh, Christian still has shame for the rest of us because uh, Steve and I have none. <laughs> I have no qualms with that joke. <laughs> uh, the pit game is that's weird. That's a weird game. Weird stuff happens when Syracuse plays at Yankee Stadium. The turf, at least, the turf is going to be least terrible. We know, at least we know the stadium's going to be free, right, guys? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, they'll have they'll, uh, they'll have two full weeks of uninterrupted activity to get that turf nice uh, for the football game. <laughs> More than twelve. More than two, two yeah, weeks. Two hundred two weeks. Come on. Oh, geez. Sorry. I thought. I, sorry. I was like, the baseball season goes until November first. Oh, wait. That's only if you're in the playoffs with the with the Yankees. Will not be. Uh, yeah. That that field should be really nice for that game. Uh, but it'll be weird and in, in some way. And then yeah, it's, again, it's going back standard, to like, like, it may not be at Heinz, but it's Pit. Like Syracuse Pit just turns into stupid stuff. It's going to be sixteen to seven. No idea who wins, but it's going to be sixteen to seven. <laughs> It's either going to or, be six, seven, or, or it's going to turn into Zane Mahoney versus Nathan Peterman. <laughs> yep. Still uh, the weirdest yeah. game ever. Um, I have a funny story about that game uh, that we'll return to at a, at a later bit. Uh, but then the Georgia Tech game, again, they should win that game. They will be favored in that game. It's just that they have to win it on the road. I will also be at that game, so they better win that game. Uh, and if they lose it, you know who to blame. Uh, yep. And then you have Wake Forest at home. It's like there's there's there are eight win there are four ACC wins here. There are probably five ACC wins here, which gives you cushion for the Purdue game. It's just about whether or not Dino Babers can get over his winning on the road in the ACC kerfuffle snafu, whatever you want to call it. Um, that has really dragged this program down. Against to borrow the the wording of of Stephen Godfrey and. Uh, Bill Connolly, like the cul-de-sac of the ACC, like Sarah, like Dino just can't win on the road, even against these weird middling to bad teams um, with the exception of BC. And they need to change that this year. And that's going to determine whether or not this team goes bowling or whether or not this team, you know, is the surprise ACC team that maybe finishes ranked 25th in the polls. Like so that. The other, <laughs> the other thing is uh, the, the, you talk about the road kerfuffle. We have a road game coming off a bye week. 
<laughs> the double kerfuffle. <laughs> yes. All of your kerfuffles belong to us. Yeah. Which so, also, yeah. sorry, one more thing on that that I completely forgot. So I got the Bill Steele um, preview book, which I highly recommend, mostly because it's a college football nerd's dream. Um, but his schedule also shows like, hey, this is when opponents are coming off of a bye week and they're playing you, which is something I don't get why more people don't do. Um, but for Syracuse, uh, North Carolina uh, is coming off of a bye week when we play North Carolina. So Good. that game is, yeah, not loving that. Uh, Virginia that, Tech is also coming off of a bye week before that game as well. So both teams have opportunities for stupid heading into that. Yes. Game. Perfect. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> um, but yeah, just wanted to like uh, the, the North Carolina coming off of a bye when we're coming off of playing uh, Clemson feels difficult. Uh, but the... Uh, but the Virginia Tech one is, yeah, that that feels like both teams will come in perfectly rested to do something stupid. The yep. the other big thing, and like Andy said, it's navigating through the injuries. And what we saw last year is that after that brutal stretch of Clemson, Pitt, Florida State, Notre Dame, not only did Syracuse lose those games, but they came away from those games with a ton of injuries, and. And not only just injuries, but a lot of wear and tear on those bodies. And so it also does a little help a little that there is a buy after those games to, as Dino always says, got to get healthy after those games. Um, but Syracuse has to survive those games without, um, without the inherent physicality of those three programs getting the better of them. If Syracuse can escape those three games, relatively healthy, it sets them up for that back half of the season. Yep. Because that back half of the season is, like Andy mentioned, it's where the winnable games are. But me being the internal pessimist in this podcast and on our sister site, newsmagician.com, it's almost too easy to see Syracuse get absolutely beat up during those three games, during that three-game stretch of Clemson, UNC, FSU, and for the Dino Babers trend of continuing to look less than ideal after a bye week. And that just all spirals the season out of control. Why'd you have to do that to us? <laughs> I mean, but this is, I think we we're kind of dancing around the big, the big question that is around this season. Uh, which we'll get to in just a second because it's a good time to leave you hanging, uh, wanting more at halftime because we're going to talk about our sponsor who always wants you wanting to buy more home field apparel. <laughs> home field apparel <laughs> is once again, our sponsor uh, for this football season. We're great. We're grateful to partner with Connor and the rest of the great team over there who make the finest, comfiest vintage t-shirts, hoodies, uh, joggers. They make hats now. Um, they, they make a lot of things. In fact, right now they're running a mystery, uh, a team uh, mystery box. I guess it's less of a mystery box, but they're just called team boxes. And the idea is that you get a, you get something for every season. You get a t-shirt, you get a hoodie, you get a pair of joggers. Uh, you also get some really cool extras like a home field fanny pack and a home field koozie all in these boxes with exclusive t-shirts, hoodies, and joggers only available via those boxes. They're for select teams. Uh, so if you're a fan of Ole Miss, Bama, um, uh, Nebraska, Notre Dame. Uh, there's a few more teams in there that are included. Some really great stuff in there and showing that home field is starting to roll out into more than just your favorite vintage t-shirts. If you want to jump on the bandwagon and join us in Rockin' Home Field, uh, use promo code NUNES, N-U-N-E-S-2-3, NUNES23, for 15% off your first order at Home Field Apparel. Oh, uh, you know what? What? For anyone who's hung around this long and is listening, we do also have something uh, big to announce from our sister, our, our uh, overlords at Fans for Sportsnet. Ah, uh, yes, yes. yes. Uh, I forgot to drop this at the top of the pod, so it's uh, you know it'll it, it'll unintentionally increase your odds. <laughs> so um, if you're a fan of an NFL team, you should probably head over to contest.fansforsports.com and fill out. Uh, 
for your chance to win, and I'm I'm not kidding here, uh, your chance to win four free tickets to any NFL week game of your choice up to five thousand dollars. This is not this is not a test. This is not like we're <laughs> we're legit throwing this out there. Uh, our our uh, gracious uh, overlords at Fans for Sportsnet have uh, put together this um, giveaway for the entire network, not just the NFL pods. So they've, uh, they've asked us to extend it. Um, the, the rules are simple, literally go to contest.fansforsports.com, fill it out. Um, and that's it. That's you, you've been registered to win the four free tickets to any NFL week one game. Uh, the three of us can win because, you know, well, we get a paycheck from them so that doesn't, you know, qualify us, but all of you listening can, uh, can throw your name in. Contest ends on September 4th, so uh, feel free to toss your uh, toss a line in there and see if you can test your luck. And uh, I would say some of our uh, fans may be trying to uh, head to some Bills games. That'd be great. <laughs> oh, yes. This is, uh, we got to mention, we mentioned the Steelers off the top. Now we got to mention the Bills in the middle, uh, the way things go. Um there i don't have a good transition for this but i do think that the big thing around this season that we haven't really talked about on the show is what's going to happen with dino babers i think that we're all in agreement that if uh this team does not make a bowl game so if they go five and seven or worse dino is not returning whether he's fired whether he chooses to step away uh, it, it just seems really apparent that a losing season this year will mean that Dino Babers does not return pending something absolutely insane happening with the program that is beyond his control. And then it's up to wild hack to decide how much of a second chance he gives, he gives Dino. I think the real, the real thing here is that, uh, and credit to Brent ax who talked about this on his podcast. We know that John wild hack doesn't typically get out in front of things. Um, let's let's put it that way. Sure, and maybe. yeah, yeah, I think I think that's fair. So what happens if the team goes six and six and or five or seven and five, like right in line with expectations in a way where like if you're going seven and five or six and six, you are dropping at least one, if not two winnable games on the schedule, probably in an annoying fashion. Uh, but you're probably good enough that you go, we probably should have won more games. Like there's, I just can't really see a six and six or a seven and five season being like super impressive. Yeah. Let's give Dino another four or five year extension. Uh, but you're kind of stuck at a point where, even if you give him a one or two year extension, you're just playing this game again in next year. And fine, like I'll the last piece of news that I'll drop before I shut up and ask you guys' opinions here is that Nate Mink dropped in the Syracuse.com preview season preview some really strong words that alluded to the fact that there was some tension between the coaching staff and the athletic administration the last football season where after the 6-0 start, there was either an expectation or a conversation that quote, that extensions would take place for the staff. Those didn't happen, and that played a factor into Tony White and Robert and I leaving the program in the offseason. Um, again, Mink never outright says it, but the wording there is hard to read any other interpretation. So it feels like going into this year, there's a level of distrust between the coaching staff and the admin. And we know that a bowl is not necessarily a guarantee for an extension, depending on how it happens. And so I'm just curious, like I am somebody here who is firmly, like, I think I've been on the bandwagon of saying like, I don't dislike Dino. I just don't know if Dino is the guy to get Syracuse more than what we are right now. And the question that Wildtack has to ask himself is, do you want or think that Syracuse can be more in this ever-changing realm of college athletics? Because if the answer is yes, 
I think you have to go and try to take a shot with somebody else. But if the answer is no, Dino has gotten you to be a mid-tier ACC program. And if that's what you're okay with on the football side, keep Dino until he wants to leave. I, I don't really see any other path here other than if it's if he goes eight and four, he's getting the extension. If he goes five and seven or worse, he's getting fired. Anything in the middle, I have no fucking idea. Do either of you guys have any better idea? <laughs> I think I do. And I think, yes, it's it, it, you, your barriers are clear. Like you said, Andy, eight and four and better. He's getting that extension. Doesn't make the bowl. He gets fired. Six and seven, I still think he gets extended, mainly because while there might be better options out there, and this is going to sound weird, Syracuse is probably not in a position to afford those better options, mainly because there are two big money sinks that are happening on campus right now. The upcoming Doan renovations and the football complex uh renovations slash creation slash buildings that are ha- that's happening at the manly south campus facilities uh no longer manly literally giant uh letters that say john Lally athletic complex so that yeah. <laughs> um so there's a lot of money already in athletics being diverted to those two things and so if syracuse goes six and six and or seven and five and from from what we've seen, I, I and from what uh, Andy alluded to with Nate Mink's uh, reported words or words that he said in Syracuse's in Syracuse.com season preview about the report, supposed maybe who knows talk of an extension that didn't happen. My extrapolation from that is that. It seems like the athletic department is still kind of shell shocked about the rapid freefall that happened from the 2018 10 and 3 season to the 2019 7 and uh, 5 and 7 season, which in turn made them a little more weary, a little more careful about immediately impulsively signing an extent, signing people to an extension after a quote-unquote successful season. And and couple that with the other big money sinks that are happening right now on campus, it feels like Syracuse would want to play it safe and just keep the status quo, at least until those big facility upgrades come through and then the money is freed up for other things. And so if Babers, just at the minimum makes a bowl, then maybe just out of financial necessity, Syracuse sticks with him. I think you're right. But Steve, this is something that we've talked about a lot. You can't it's it's like that, it's like that scene of Art Howe and Billy Bean in in Moneyball, portrayed by uh, Brad Pitt and the late uh, Hoffman, you can't manage on a one-year contract. And Babers still, by all accounts, has at least one more year left on his deal. And according to Emily uh, from Syracuse.com, Dino has not been extended or got, there have been, there are no contracts signed beyond next year. So yes, Syracuse could keep the status quo and they don't have to do anything this offseason. It's but it's then the you've got a head coach. What was that? It's the, it's the equivalent of someone leaving out a free, though. Right, exactly. It, and it's I don't you're not gonna be able to recruit at all when you don't have a contract for next year. So in some way, shape, or form, Wildtac has to give Babers, even if he wants to keep the status quo there's going to be some sort of extension that he has to offer him. And I'm wondering, like, one of the things that Missouri did that was really interesting was that they gave Eli Drinkwitz an extension. But the extension was taking his buyout money and 
distributing that over a certain number of years. So it's it, we really yeah. are turning into soccer, aren't we? Yeah. So they're trying, we're trying so, to get financial fair play and just reamortizing things here and there, just <laughs> playing the game and shuffling and yeah, I, I it's believe it's suddenly the three of us are locked in. <laughs> Everybody just woke up. We're like, all right, let's go. For those of you who didn't yeah. or aren't watching on the on the stream and are listening on your podcast platform of choice, Andy literally shuffled his chair forward and stood up straight, sat up straighter. So like, all right, here we go. Come on. Yeah. So for for context, the framework of this deal was that Drinkowitz had around a $20 million buyout remaining on his contract. Um, Missouri did not want to pay that to fire him. Uh, but because of that, they had to keep him in some way uh, and give him an extension. Otherwise, they had to pay the buyout in order to fire him early um, with one year left, which shout out to his agent, fantastic buyout. Um, so what they did was that they took that $20 million that they would have had to pay him anyways and they spread that out over a period of years uh, into a contract extension. So now if Missouri wants to fire him, it's a lot less than $20 million because a lot of that buyout money was taken in contract years uh, put forward. Again, we don't know what Dino Babers' buyout is. I heard Stephen Godfrey uh, with, I know this is kind of breaking. You should be a patron to Split Zone Duo. They talked about the Dino Babers buyout on the split zone doer patreon only show it's five dollars a month they the rumored buyout was unclear but they said it would be more than five and less than ten so if you want to fire dino it's gonna cost you let's just say seven and a half million dollars at the end of this year do you then take that seven and a half million dollars and maybe add it for a two-year deal making you know, 4.1, whatever, or sorry, 3.75, whatever, over two years as a quote-unquote extension and then make the buyout firing easier down the line? Or do you try to renegotiate the whole thing? Yes. <laughs> what I would say, if you're, and this is all the hypothetical, like we've gone, we've gone full yeah. circle down the rabbit hole of like, this is the hypothetical if you if we're finishing six and six seven and five somewhere in that range uh in all honesty if we from my perspective i know you guys have both given yours seven and five you extend them for two years straight up like you're you're securing like you're showing incremental improvement the 2019 season i think we i think we all bought into the hype a little bit from the the 10 and 3 season but also those of us who have watched the program understand what happened, uh, in including the decimation of my beloved offensive line. Um, however, uh, and, and also the decimation of our quarterback because of said offensive line. Um, <laughs> but we've seen, we've seen this coaching staff and this coach adapt and try and move on from where they were. Uh, seven and five would be another testament to, continuing that evolution and continuing to move towards something more consistent, something better. And in all honesty, I think the three of us would be of the ilk that a consistent seven and five would be as much as we could expect from a Syracuse program uh, of, you know, seven and five with some spikes and some valleys and whatever would be, that's, that's where we would expect in the current landscape of what the ACC and what college football is to be. I don't know if anyone of the two of you, any one of the two of you, uh, has any other aspersions beyond that, or uh, realistically with our administration and where we're at, if that feels like uh, the the ceiling for consistency. I think the biggest issue that I have Christian's face for anyone not watching the podcast is uh, if I'm reading it correctly, it's the I can't say no, but I really want to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think the easiest summation to this is that the ACC middle is just garbage. Like, oh, it, like it is it, for it, every every sport. I, the the middle of like, but this is 
But this is the crazy part is that when Syracuse joined the ACC, the ACC was a deep conference with a very clear bottom tier. And those bottom schools just kind of existed to be fed upon. And then everybody else at the top, like eight to nine schools could be some version of good to very good. And Syracuse was that in football when they entered the conference to be expected. But during that time period, we've seen the rest of, we've seen the ACC just take a step back in a lot of ways. Uh, Like they've just gotten aggressively mediocre. And I think for my, my biggest issue is that if this is the way the ACC is going to be moving forward, like, I'm sorry, but I kind of expect Syracuse to be consistently in that upper middle portion. Like you should have a head coach that at least gets you into the upper upper middle portion if you're not taking big swings trying to create the next Utah or Boise State type program uh, where you're trying to do something so radically different in order to ri- in order to rise to the top. And like I think what we've seen from Dino and the coaching staff is that they're not really doing anything all that different from the rest of college football. Um, the tempo thing was interesting when it started, but the tempo fad has almost completely gone away. If you look at college football as a whole, um, and part of that is due to officials actively trying to control tempo more aggressively. Like this is something that the NCAA has told its referees to do. Um, so yeah, if Dino's not going to be different, he needs to be in that upper middle class pretty consistently. Um, because then that's team culture, that's recruiting, that's doing all the little things consistently. To borrow Dino's phrase, consistently good, not occasionally great. Right. I still go back to my point, which is as much as we want Syracuse to make a change, potentially, in order to bring that, uh, bring in that person who's going to consistently bring in seven, eight, nine win seasons. And I think that's what Syracuse fans just want at this point. Is at this point after after what's happened this past decade to have a coach who can just consistently bring in a seven, eight, win, nine win season. Basically, like said, be Wake Forest. Name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just, I just don't think Syracuse financially has the strength to pull that off right now, and it's. This probably could and should be a different conversation in two years once the dust settles literally from (laughs) the uh, finished renovation and construction jobs. And we ensure that our scoreboard isn't hanging by two cranes through (laughs) a hole in the dome roof. (laughs) Uh, So, like, like the I hate to be a Debbie Downer on it, on this, but I I'm I'm of the belief right now that there's legitimately no way, un, unless Syracuse doesn't make a bowl. If Syracuse makes a bowl, I don't think there's any financial way that Syracuse can keep Dina. And if Syracuse doesn't make a bowl, if Syracuse doesn't make a bowl, like it, there's still not a lot of financial wiggle room, but it makes the justification easier. Yeah, I, I think I think that we're going to be, this is going to be an undercurrent, undercurrent for the entire season, like a reminder that Wild Hack gave Dino the extension before the bowl game took place um, that we're still talking about today. Um, so if things go well, the expectation is going to be that he makes a decision in season like he did last time. So, and if things go bad, I think that the expectation is going to be pretty similar. Um, so we'll see what happens here. I think it's a really fascinating through line to watch this season. Um, and we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, so guys, like we have, uh, we, we've kind of talked about the season gut check right here. Uh, what do you think the win total for this team is at the end of the year? realistically um like i think eight is on the table i think the reality is is that seven is probably right where they end up like i think most people have it right that seven and five is where this team ends the season um and it'll be interesting to see if they get there because they start hot and then fade 
or they start well, get beat up, have to get healthy, and then finish strong. Uh, I think both of those options are are on the table there. Uh, Steve, what what are you feeling? Uh, Almost exactly what you're talking about. Um, Very much. I I think seven and five is the right number. Um, Eight and four or six and six are possible. Five and seven is possible too, but I don't like, I, I feel like there's enough to this squad that they can get over that five win hump. Um, back-to-back bowl games is a, a solid spot for the program to be in. Um, yeah, that's, that's where I'm, where I'm predicting. And to keep on trend with my projection, my projection, literally the 44% is probably Syracuse's projected win percentage against Purdue right now in my book, even though Purdue is also in a kind of weird flux state in its program. And for me, that Purdue game is the difference between a five and seven season and a six and six season mm. for, for me. And it's as awful as that sounds. I, the, the two games that I have as a losses and that I, I'm assuming that you two are probably not going to have as losses are Virginia Tech and Wake Forest. And the main reason is that Virginia Tech game is after that brutal stretch of three games and coming off a bye, which we know historically Dino Babers has not had his Syracuse teams gotten up to the typical football playing standard quickly enough in the game after the bye. Plus, that's against Virginia Tech in Blacksburg on a weekday night where that atmosphere is absolutely hostile, even more so on a Saturday afternoon. And then the Wake Forest game, It feels like both of those teams are in a very similar position program-wise. And whenever those two teams match up in a matchup of similar team strength, it just always inherently feels like Wake Forest does the fundamentals a little bit better. And that, in turn, makes the Dean of Deacons win, essentially. Fair. Yeah. And, and And so that's where I go. And and so, and because of what we don't know about Purdue, that's why I go for between five and seven and six and six. Nope, that a hundred percent tracks. And I think that there's going to be. I think the night. I think the weird thing about this season is that you're going to have a lot of fans that are all over this gamut as well, which I think goes back to the point of this is probably the most variable variable outcome season that Syracuse has had in a very long time, which is actually in a perverse way, like this is really exciting. Like there's, it's not like we're circling one or two games on the season. There's five or six games that you can circle and be like, these are all different kinds of inflection points for the team. Um, and that's all you can really hope for. If your team's not in the national title race, like you just want an interesting season, um, which I think we are about to embark on uh, that interesting season starts Saturday against Colgate. Again, not an FCS power, not a Villanova team that we should be, all that concerned about. Um, but again, Please. Christian is scarred from that Nova game again. Uh, For Colgate, eternity. Mm-hmm. Just to put it in perspective, Colgate is receiving no votes in any FCS poll. I, I checked uh, to, like all of the other polls. They have no preseason All-Americans uh, nationally or even in their conference first team. Like this is, this is not a, good football team um, we should be okay by, we should be okay so we, we said that about nova and 14 also <laughs> we were stupid okay we were stupid uh but again for those for those who are new to this podcast let me, to put into context that nova game was my first ever syracuse football game in person yeah is the it is it is the root of everything about Christian and, and that you and yeah it essentially know. explains who I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that's that that well that's like the uh, the Iowa game molding Casillo and I. So yes. Uh, yeah. So real quick, what's one thing that you're looking for or looking forward to uh, about the Colgate game, uh, Christian? We'll, we'll start with you. Who's starting? <laughs> 
I mean, technically, technically, if you check noonsmagician.com, I will have a depth chart piece up tomorrow. It doesn't mean anything. Also, given also given recent history, that that depth chart piece might not go up until th- t- Tuesday night. Yeah, it's true. That's true. But that, like that depth chart is going to have more ores than uh, than a Minnesota football locker room. Oh God, oh, the, yeah, that's going to have more ores it than is. the crew team. Come on. <laughs> well, that's actually depressing. Um, <laughs> honestly, like for the cool game, it is that who's starting? Like we don't know. Yeah. And and like it or not, whoever starts that cool game is going to start the Purdue game. It's very rare that Dino is going to make a starter change, like week one within the two. first yeah over week one and two heading into week three. Unless it's a getting healthy thing or yes. like availability thing. Or, like it or it's be, like we don't see yes. Allen, then sure. But mm-hmm. it's either they're going to be that, or it's going to be a situation like Miles Farmer gets right. acquainted on I'm campus and, camp and and all of a sudden he's destroying in practice. Yep. Um, but like, yeah. we'll we'll know who the starters are most likely for the first six weeks of the season. Yeah. After that, after that Colgate game. And we'll like I'm I'm with you on that's the one thing to watch because there's not a whole hell of a lot. Uh, the the one thing the one thing I'm looking forward to watching is Syracuse soccer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> unless Pregler's got some other uh, major thing to I watch Colgate outside of who's starting. I was or just gonna game. say like I'm intrigued to see if uh, Stefan Thompson plays any snaps. I think yeah. he's been so limited in preseason. I think it's if he is not a hundred and five percent it's really foolish to trot him out there uh you know use the western michigan game as his warm-up give him an extra you know six seven days to get healthy um because he is just he takes that linebacking core to another level like they can play without him um if they have him this that diff, that front seven can be super disruptive mm-hmm. so yeah that'll be good um so I guess back to uh, where we have to end the podcast because we always do. Mm-hmm. Uh, saw the first official game of the Syracuse fo- or football season uh, on the other football. Uh, Syracuse soccer, the football. number one rated Syracuse soccer team. Um, former national champions as of uh, 2022 because, well, that's how we do. Uh, trotted out a roster <laughs> or a squad that i was not expecting um looks like some guys are still getting still getting their legs under them uh still just came out and thoroughly dismantled providence 2-0 um scored on them early got ahead kind of don't want to say coasted but uh because they kept the pressure on the entire game but it wasn't like they they didn't need at any point to put it away away um very solid opening against a team that was receiving votes uh, they get another match against Binghamton this Monday it should be should be an exciting season and some of these transfers look extremely legit uh, Nick Halukian who was the Michigan transfer was all Big Ten last year uh, looks to be he looks the part Susky from Boston College looks the part um, all over the place just energy out the yin yang um, and then uh yeah, it, it's it's looking to be another Mac team where we just kind of reload. Like there, I, I put in my season preview the the stereotypical we don't rebuild, we reload, and Mac really seems to do that. So hey, uh, I'll take another season of that if, it, if that's what it comes to. And that game's on ACC Network. Well. Yeah, Monday night is actually televised. So yeah, it's on linear. Yep. So if you if you don't. Uh, if you don't know, every game is at least on ACC Network Extra, um, but most of, or uh, I think four of them will be on ACC Network Prime. I believe it's five, actually. Oh, nice. If I remember correctly. Very nice. So, yeah. Big. Be a good year. <laughs> Going to be a good year. Uh, yeah. So, at least one football team will be successful. Uh, the other, we will have to wait and see. But that is it for this week's edition of the Disloyal Idiots podcast. 
Uh, thank you for tuning in and listening on the podcast provider of choice. Uh, we and the Fans First Sports Network really appreciate the support. Make sure that you like and subscribe in order to trick the Ottoman Empire into expanding. Uh, we or trick the AI into expanding the Ottoman Empire. That's the line I normally say. Uh, make sure that you, uh, if you are watching this on Twitch, you also like and subscribe. Again, we do this every uh, Sunday night around 8 p.m. and we live cast it so you can see all the things that we're pointing to on screen. You can see Christian's amazing facial reactions. Uh, it's just a good time if you join us on the Twitch stream. Uh, thank you uh, to our friends over at noonsmagician.com who, uh, you know, always are supporting us and, you know, can still see some of our stuff over there. Uh, if you are watching or listening to us uh, in the article, we do really appreciate the support. Again, guys, first week of the college football season is upon us. Next time we're talking, we are going to be breaking down actual live game film and previewing an actual opponent that you could play in next year's NCAA video game. Big things are happening. Go orange. Go orange. Go orange.